I think that the communication step is so critical. It is, it is, it is super critical. You're communicating, like you said, over and over because you can never assume that someone understands that vision or gets it the first time. That's right. Because people hear things at different stages and they learn things different ways, right? Yep. So you have to make sure that you're commu- you have various forms of communication. And they did that in the book. And it's consistent. And they say you have to communicate something seven times before someone actually hears you and understands you? I think I've had to communicate with you, I'm going to say 70 times. That was Valerie Lewis, my co-host and I, discussing the fourth step of John Cotter's eight-step process to successful change from his book, Our Iceberg is Melting. This is MOB5B, the conclusion of our discussion on change management. If you need to make a change in your business, department, or nonprofit organization, then this is the episode for you. I'm Gerald Johnson, and this is MOB, Masterminds of Business. In this show, like every show, we will try to inspire you by introducing you to one of our masterminds or bringing your attention to a book, a podcast, an article that discusses one of the four building blocks of business, processes, people, customers, and resources. If you've not heard MOB5A, don't forget to listen to that episode in order to get the full impact of our change management discussion. Stay tuned for our information-packed show. Welcome to Part B of our discussion, Our Iceberg is Melting by John Cotter. In his book, John outlines the process of successful change management by using a colony of emperor penguins on an iceberg in Antarctica as a metaphor for the business environment. John Cotter's Penguin Fable leads the reader through the eight steps that the penguins took to successfully change their situation. This is a continuation of our discussion of change management from MOB5A. We pick up our discussion with making it happen. Follow along as we go through the last five steps of John Cotter's eight-step process. Now you got to communicate the vision to the masses. Make it happen. You got to make it happen. You know what the end of our thing is? Nothing happens. Unless, Unless you, you make, make it, it happen. happen. So this is this is where it comes from. Well, sort of. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Did the seagull tell you that? The seagull. <laughs> 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 anyway, we got to make it happen. So to make it happen, you got to communicate un- uh, for understanding and buy-in. That is the key. This is another one of the key things in this book. And I've gone through uh, several iterations of this during my career of communication and creating buy-in and in the book fred showed the model the iceberg and buddy buddy who's an interesting character he's an interesting bird he would all the ladies loved but i guess he was like tall dark and handsome or something but that's all he seemed to be good for but that's what i disagree that's what he was just charming no i think buddy was able to relate to the team he was able to take complicated information and just break it down in his simplest form 
to be able to communicate the vision. Because he said the bottle broke, and I, I agree. You Pretty know, much. That's it. Sometimes that's all you have to say is the bottle broke. The bottle broke. And if I didn't say it before, they filled this bottle with water and then froze it. And so when the ice expanded, it cracked the bottle, and that showed that if water was in the iceberg mm-hmm. and expanded, it would crack the iceberg. Mm-hmm. So they communicated amongst the masses to get buy-in. And I'm just going to refer back to one time when I was doing an ethnic marketing project. First, we had to create urgency. And at this time, Texaco was in a world of hurt uh, because of some black jelly bean comment they had made back in the 1990s. We had to create urgency that this was necessary to do. We got a team together. We created the vision about what we were going to do. And then we also communicated to all the different parts of the country to get buy-in. And we did it over and over again. And we did training on that to make sure everybody understood why we were doing marketing to various communities, why it was important to the company, and what it was gonna what their impact to them was gonna be. And we did it over and over again. so that it became like second nature. I think that the communication step is so critical. It is, it is, it is super critical. You're communicating, like you said, over and over because you can never assume that someone understands that vision or gets it the first time. That's right. Because people hear things at different stages and they learn things different ways, right? Yep. So you have to make sure that your commu- you have various forms of communication. And they did that in the book. And it's consistent. And they say you have to communicate something seven times before someone actually hears you and understands you. I think I've had to communicate with you, I'm going to say 70 times. Mm. Your, Maybe you're 70 times seven. <laughs> 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 oh, but, but, but yes, you have to communicate it over and over and using different different ways of communication to make sure that everybody understands the vision that you're trying to get across to people. Because it's so important that everybody buys in to one, there is a problem. Mm -hmm. If you can't convince people that there is a problem, you'll never convince them to act. So I've been in organizations where you have competing priorities and you have organizations with different focuses. So it's one organization. We all have the same goal. We all have the same mission. But our focus is a little bit different. So... If one department understands that there's a sense of urgency and another department doesn't understand that there's a sense of urgency, then we we haven't really we haven't really been successful in our communication to everyone. Right. So I think that this one is this step is really critical. And the fact that they chose Buddy, <laughs> right? The social light. The social but he was they were able to the leader Lewis was able to utilize Buddy's strength being the socializer being the communicator being the one that people felt comfortable with he established trust with those individuals that's who that's the kind of person that you want to be your spokesperson we can look at the news now and we can look at things that are going on and there are a lot of people that are communicating ideas and information over to us and you have to look and say, do I trust this person? Do I trust the message that's coming out of this person? Or mm, is there something suspect? So you have to make sure that when you're dealing with an urgent situation and you're dealing with change that the 
person that you have communicating that new vision, that there's they can communicate it in a way that it reaches a number of people, and that person is has a reputation of being someone that they can trust. Just a couple quick comments because you mentioned something about communication and how you had uh, multiple pieces of the organization with different focus areas. Focus it when you're the leader embarking on a change in an organization like that it's incumbent upon you to make sure that the change and the vision links to each part of the organization and that you identify that particular part of the organization is responsible for and link your vision, the vision where you're trying to go to, how each piece plays a role in this place where we're going. Well, that's that's taken into consideration that we're all integrated. We're all aligned. In reality, that is not always the case. So I'll use an example, you oh, know, of a big healthcare industry that has, you know, a health, a health plan, right. a health plan has physicians. Well, what the health plan may be looking at from an insurance perspective is not necessarily what the physicians are looking at because physicians are focused on providing service, right? right? But we're all trying to meet a need for our members. Right. So we all have the same mission, but the health plan's urgency may not necessarily be the same urgency as the physician. So we have to be real clear about what area this urgency is impacting. And I'm only bringing that in because I understand the story and it's these are great points. And these are great ideas to follow. But I'm just trying to say that you have to take this information and apply it to real term what's happening in your life in your organization at the time and make it practical okay i'll go back to what let's i said let's make it real i'm gonna make it real right now so i'll go back to what i said now maybe the leaders in that organization or in an organization like that the still the key thing is and this is where the rubber meets the road you're gonna have somebody who's in charge of the health care health plan and you're gonna have somebody who's in charge of the doctors you got to get those two people to agree on a new vision and you got to and where those two intersect because there is an intersection because at the end of the day, the health plan is going to intersect in with what the doctors going to do. I agree. So there is a vision. There is one unifying vision. Now it may not have been communicated, but there is a unifying vision that must go across to the people to allow the health plan management to intersect with the doctor management. And that is where you get a good vision. And then you can communicate it, and so both sides can get along. Then it's the responsibility of those leaders now to filter that vision down and say, well, I know that, you know, normally we want this health plan and we want, but in order to coincide and make this work with the doctor piece of this, we're going to have to make these tweaks. And then on the flip side of that coin, the, you know, physician management is going to have to do that same thing. So... We're going to get off the doctors and the physicians <laughs> and the healthcare. No, plans. I was just using the that particular example and just saying, you know, one of the things that I just want to, you know, make sure that we're conveying because it, there is reality. And each each organization has a different structure, has a different system. And we're saying that these are steps to successful change management but realizing that there, it's not going to be a linear process. It's not going to be, there are going to be some issues and some challenges. 
And that's where, you know, you just have to be persistent and be tenacious and stay on board and try different variations of these eight steps. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Look, what? What is is your conundrum? My conundrum is I do think that it is linear, but I think you have to do the work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't do the work and then claim that something didn't work or something was unsuccessful or was unsuccessful change because they didn't do the work in the beginning. The leadership didn't do the work in the beginning. So a lot of times we look at examples through our business careers and we see something fall flat. It didn't work out. But we we say, well, the process didn't work. And maybe it's that the people who are in charge of the process didn't do the work, mm-hmm. just like Harold and Fred. So Fred failed. I mean, Harold, Fred succeeded where Harold had failed previously because Fred did more work and planning in execution and the execution side than Harold had. So I agree with you that it is. So I'll take this back. I was wrong, Gerald. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It is a linear process following the steps. And I also agree that it's up to the leadership team to make sure that they're following these steps and planning it through and not, you know, and making sure that they're um, following each step to make sure that this change management process is successful. There you go. There you go. So after we, so first we created a sense of urgency. Yes. Okay? Then we pulled together a guiding team. And then we created a vision, a strategy of where we're going. And then for number four is we communicated this vision and this strategy and we generated buy-in. What's number five, Val? Well, wait a minute. Did we generate buy-in? What happened to no-no? No, no. <laughs> what no, happened to the no nos? What do we do with the no nos? What do you, you, you see now? I love what they did with the no nos in the book. Now, no, no, you know, the name says it all no, no. So that's that negative, that negative Nancy, the negative Nellies of right, the world. Right. And I love the way they finally handled no, no. Yeah. They just sat somebody right on his behind until wherever he said, wherever he went, they were just counteracting. All his negative negativism. Negativity. You've just learned a few things. One, when your people are empowered to act, they feel like a valued part of the team. Two, short-term wins gives everyone confidence that they can reach the ultimate outcome, especially for difficult objectives. Three, making sure you don't slide back into the old ways of doing things is hard. We all gravitate to what's familiar, but when it comes to change, we must hold fast to the new ways. The emperor penguins on an iceberg in Antarctica learn these lessons to solve their existential crisis, and you can too. Stay with us to learn how to make change stick and the roles that thinking and feeling play in behavioral change. I'm Gerald Johnson, and I'm here with my co-host, Valerie Lewis. This is MOB, Masterminds of Business, and this is Episode 5B. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and write a review. A couple of quick programming notes. If you want to get in touch with us here at MOB, you can reach us at sabacon.net forward slash MOB or at Sabacon Ideas on Twitter and on Facebook. That's S-A-B-A-C-O-N-I-D-E-A-S. And if you're a mastermind and you have a great story to share or a question to ask, please reach out. 
And if you haven't done so, please listen to MOB 5A, the beginning of our discussion on change management. Coming up, we will discuss making it stick from John Cotter's book, Our Iceberg is Melting. The next step is where we're empowering others to act. Yes. Okay. So there was a leader that was assigned to the no-no because the no-no is a barrier. You can make that, you know, similarity. The no-no is a barrier. They're just negativity. They're just, you know, naysayers. They're just not going to see anything positive with the new direction and the new vision. Right. So you got to put the kibosh on them. You got to put the kibosh on the no-nos. So... Empowering others to act by helping them to remove the barriers. So when the leader says, hey, look, it's okay to squash that no-no. When the leader is removing those obstacles and those barriers, it enables the it enabled the rest of the penguins to kind of be creative to be more loyal to be more involved in this new plan right Right, this new vision so one of the ways they did this in the book was they finally decided that they were going to go take the nomadic lifestyle Mm -hmm. of the seagulls and one of the problems was fly like an eagle fly like an eagle (laughs) so one of the problems was that Uh, Penguins needed to eat a tremendous amount of food, but according to their penguin culture, they weren't allowed to share. They were only allowed to share with their significant... Immediate family penguins. Yeah, the baby penguins, the baby penguins. But one of the little baby penguins came up with an idea to create a day, a festival, to feed the returning scouts, the penguins who would go out and look for a new, a new place to live. Mm-hmm. And I forget the name of the festival, but they created a festival. And that was, and the little penguin brought that to Alice. And of course, Alice said, go ahead, go, go on and do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And that became one of the methods to change the culture within the organization, which I thought was very effective, changing the culture to make it be acceptable she found a bridge to share fish with the scouts who were going out. So that, I forgot the, the person, the name of the character. I think it was Sally? A, Sally or Annie or something like that. But she was a younger person who Baby came up with an innovative, creative idea up for how to feed the, the scout penguins right. and the rest of the um, tribe. Or, I think a ticket was you had to bring a fish. Was you your had tic- to bring a fish. Was yes. your ticket. Correct. Your ticket, to, Correct. ticket to solve the problems but here. The, but the issue, you know, I think what we're trying to get to is that when those rem- those barriers were removed, that younger penguin was able to think outside the box and yeah. be creative and yeah. come up, you know, and feel empowered. Those to millennials. Be it's the millennials. There you go. It was the millennials. So they empowered other people to take action on part of the vision and this you know this is sometimes people get defensive so they come up with an idea or there's a new idea and they they're the only ones that's supposed to be on the team they're the only ones that are supposed to be leading they're the only ones supposed to be doing anything so you have to empower other people to get involved Mm -hmm. that's how you create a culture of a new inclusiveness of inclusiveness yes 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 so we create a sense of urgency and then we celebrate our short-term wins. How do we make it happen? We communicate. Right. We empower others to act. Right. And then we celebrate our short-term wins. Yes, we do, Val. We celebrate our well, short-term wins. Well, when do we get to party? Come on. I was well, trying so, to get to the party. So <laughs> okay, so we do create, we do produce short-term wins. Change on a massive scale is big. 
and it takes time. So what you have to do is celebrate the small wins. It's really, you got to take a step back. You know, you're climbing a mountain, you're halfway up. You got to say, hey, we made it halfway. So in my leadership role, I, I struggled with this area. You did? Just because it, it's it's not intuitive to me. So I love to party. I love to celebrate the wins. This is true. But, yeah, I do. This is true. <laughs> but I get so focused on our objective that I forget to take time. Because the way that I am, I can just keep going. Uh, but I, for me to make sure that I'm continuing to bring other people along, my staff, my team, I have to take a minute to celebrate. So my staff would say, come on, let's go out to lunch. And I'm like, nah, that's okay. You go out to lunch. <laughs> well, you know, I had to really realize that they were really trying to say, come on, let's take a minute to relax and celebrate what we've accomplished thus far. That's and it right. when, like you said, when you have this big change that you're trying to implement and make, Celebrating those short-term wins help you to stay energized and revitalized and on point with with the new vision. Yeah, if you don't do this, it, it'll get monotonous and people will get discouraged. Yeah. So you do need to celebrate, not only celebrate, but you got to produce short-term wins. You got to be on the lookout mm-hmm. for the short-term wins um, and make sure that they're communicated all the time. Give people something to celebrate to see that we're making progress. Progress, yes. If you don't see that you're making progress. So now I'm going to go through the litany of okay, things again. Okay, let's go through the list, so, Gerald. through the eight steps of, of successful changes. First, you got to create a sense of urgency. Second, you got to pull the team together. And then third, you've got to develop the vision. Mm-hmm. That's deciding what you're going to do. Now, once you decide what you're going to do, you got to make it happen. So now you got to communicate to the masses. I say communicate to the masses. Generate. My, generate. My God, I can't talk today. That's generate. you're talking too much. Buy-in. I'm going <laughs> to shut up right now. Empowering <laughs> others to act. Produce short-term wins. And now what's number seven, Val? Don't let up. Don't let up. See, I think this one is the... Um, the foo-foo one. If I always say this, this one is the foo-foo one. This is the one they threw in there. So say. tell me more. I just think that, um, yes, you know, it's, t- you know, this to me, six and seven go together. Uh, you create the short term wins and you celebrate those short term wins so you can keep people motivated to keep going. Don't let up is just a way to say press harder, press faster. You know, don't give up. Literally, you can't give up. But I actually look at don't give up as being as saying, I know how human nature is. We've had some short term wins. We're cool. (laughs) The iceberg is still here. Maybe it's not as urgent as we originally thought it was. You know, we've made a couple of changes. We're listening to seagulls. You know, we're feeding the rest of the colony, you know, we've made some changes. Do we really have to go full force with this new vision? So to me, don't let up means all of the work that we've done, all of those steps that we've taken to get to where we're at. We're almost there. We're almost at the finish line. This piece is important because that's where you find people are maybe not be as engaged, maybe not be as motivated. And maybe because of the short term wins, they go, "Mm, I think we're good. So I I look at don't give up as we got to put the pedal to the metal. We really got to fly. We really got to stay on point and stay focused because the real end objective is we have to move. We can't settle for a few changes. 
Correct. We have to we have to follow the full out plan. I think, and now that you know, now that you say this, I think in the book, this is after they've moved to another another iceberg and they got off the iceberg that was going to break. Some of the other, some of the penguins decided, well, you know, we're at this new iceberg. This place looks pretty good. We got a good source of food. We got, you know, home. We could go back to the way things used to be, the way we used to live. So you do have to press forward. I take it back. Val is right again. What? <laughs> she is right. Whoop, whoop. Celebrate. So there you I'm go. I'm celebrating my short-term win. So there you go. Celebrate that short-term because it ain't coming again. No, let me stop. <laughs> no, celebrate that short-term win. You've just learned a few things. One, when your people are empowered to act, they feel like a valued part of the team. Two. Short-term wins gives everyone confidence that they can reach the ultimate outcome, especially for difficult objectives. Three, making sure you don't slide back into the old ways of doing things is hard. We all gravitate to what's familiar, but when it comes to change, we must hold fast to the new ways. The emperor penguins on an iceberg in Antarctica learn these lessons to solve their existential crisis, and you can too. Stay with us to learn how to make change stick and the roles that thinking and feeling play in behavioral change. I'm Gerald Johnson, and I'm here with my co-host, Valerie Lewis. This is MOB, Masterminds of Business, and this is Episode 5B. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and write a review. A couple of quick programming notes. If you want to get in touch with us here at MOB, you can reach us at sabacon.net forward slash MOB or at Sabacon Ideas on Twitter and on Facebook. That's S-A-B-A-C-O-N-I-D-E-A-S. And if you're a mastermind and you have a great story to share or a question to ask, please reach out. And if you haven't done so, please listen to MOB 5A, the beginning of our discussion on change management. Coming up, we will discuss making it stick from John Cotter's book, Our Iceberg is Melting. You got to make it stick. You got to create that new culture. Hold on to the new ways of behaving and make sure they succeed and trash that old stuff, those old thoughts and, Mm -hmm. you know, break that. And I think, you know, these eight steps of successful change can work not only in your organizations, but in your life as a person and as an individual. So wait, before we, I just want to go through the eight, the eight steps one more time. So you, so let's remind folks the name of the book that we are tell reviewing. Tell them the name of the book. Our Iceberg is Melting by John Carter. Okay, who's the secondary? Uh, Holger Rathgaber. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so the eight steps of successful change, and they're broken down into four categories. So the first category is set the stage. Mm-hmm. And when you set the stage of change, you are creating a sense of urgency and pulling a team uh, together, a guiding team. That is what you're doing. So this is like before you've taken action, you're creating a sense of urgency and pulling a guiding team together. The second stage, the second stage of uh, this eight steps is uh, decide what to do. And so is- in that stage, we're really creating the vision and the strategy. How is the future going to be different than the past? What do we want to do differently? How do we want to form ourselves differently? And then think of how do we want to make this new 
rea- new future a reality. Right. The third is making it happen. So in making it happen, you have to communicate for understanding and buy-in. So you're communicating to people, here's our here's the problem we have, here is our solution to it, and we're going to communicate for understanding and buy-in. We're going to empower everybody to act as long as they're acting on our vision. Okay? We're going to celebrate and produce short-term wins. So as soon as we can get some short-term wins. We're going to promote the mess out of them. And then we're not going to let up when things seem to be working. We're going to push forward. And then lastly, the fourth stage is? We want to make it stick. So we have a new culture. We have a new vision. We have a new way of doing things, new behaviors. So we know that the change happens when we stick to those new behaviors and new ways of doing things. Okay. So that's the eight steps the Eight Steps of Successful Change by um, from Our Iceberg is Melting by John Cotter and Holger Rathgaber. I think I said that right. And he does two other things. Um, the role of thinking and feeling as you're going through change. And I'm going to go through thinking and Val's going to go through feeling. Why? Because I'm thinking and Val's feeling. <laughs> and that's why we're I'm going through thinking. So, But let's, let's do this because you and I talked about this before where you're on kind of the data end of the spectrum. Oh, definitely. And I'm on, you know, the, feeling the soft skills, if you will. Actually, I don't think they're soft. I actually I never think said that they one. are very powerful. You are going to say hard. Skills. No, I wasn't going to say that. Okay. But, <laughs> but, I, but you're going to talk about thinking. I'm going to talk about feeling. Right. One of the things I just want to emphasize is that when you're dealing with people, mm-hmm. People think and they feel. That's right. So focusing on thinking only is not good. That's and right. focusing on feelings only is not good. Exactly. So you Need have both. to look at the whole person. That's why you're here, Val. That's right. That's why I'm here, <laughs> That's G. why you're here. Go. Okay. So thinking differently can make you behave differently. And I, I'll also add speaking differently. You have what you say. So if you think differently and you speak differently, you'll act differently. So doing that is to do that, you need to collect and analyze data. That's my favorite thing, collect and analyze data and present information logically to change people's thinking. And then lastly, change thinking in turn goes to change behavior. So if you want to if you want to have something different, first you think differently, then you speak differently. That'll cause you to act differently. You, to do those things, you need to collect and analyze data and present that information in a logical way to change somebody's behavior. And then changing your thinking, in turn, will change your behavior. That's all about thinking. So now I'm going to focus on the senses, okay. the feelings, right? Okay. When you feel different, you it changes your behavior. So, you know, you can put on an outfit an outfit can make you feel different, right? Okay. And then it can change your behavior. Gerald, when you dress up like a cowboy. I never dress up like a cowboy, <laughs> ever. You actually think you can go out into a rodeo and, you know, yeah, right? Wrestle those cows and all of that. You like actually think you can do that. And it changes your behavior, doesn't it? It's like when I, I was going to say something. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going <laughs> to so say it. So let's go into it. So when you when you feel differently, it helps you to change your behavior. Right. And it leads to better results, right? right? So then you're also able to create surprising, compelling experiences when you're able to visualize something. Mm-hmm. It creates 
different types of feelings. So when when Fred brought in a picture of the iceberg and you actually had an opportunity to see what the urgency was, what those issues were, it had a compelling effect. So also that's part of your senses, being able to visually experience it. When we experience change, how people feel about a situation. So feelings help to change how you feel about a situation. So all of your senses, I think what to sum it up is it's not just the data. It's not just all of the information and measures. It's how you feel about this change, how you perceive this change to be. And all of the thinking and the feelings, they both play a role in terms of being able to walk through those eight steps for successful change. One thing I just want to say about the feeling is it's kind of like, you know, how they say if you want to, I shouldn't say it like this, but, you know, you're, you have a date and you bring home, uh, you bring her home to your house or your wife and you bring her home to your house and you have candles lit all over the place and you're playing romantic music and you've got that nice, you've cooked food. You're trying to create a feeling by the, by, by the surroundings that you've presented. And creating those surroundings helps change her feelings and changes the actions that you might get. Anyway, I'm going to leave that there. I'm, I'm just going to say that a change in your feelings <laughs> can lead to a change in your behavior. This How is about true. that? That's why, that's why I lit those candles. Okay. <laughs> a change in your feelings can lead to a change in your behavior. I'm not thinking about those candles. Oh, those okay. candles <laughs> and that romantic dinner. We're trying to change some behaviors here. We try to change some behaviors up in here. Up no, in here. I don't know what kind of behavior you're trying to change, but I'm going back to the iceberg. That's right. Okay. But anyway, so I just use that. You know what, fellas? And the management and people who are listening to this podcast, if you want to change behavior, you can, uh, feelings, and you can use different stimuli. You can take your team out for a team building exercise. You can go rock climbing together. You can, doing these things, they do these things to change the feelings. Anyway, 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 we are here today. Uh, Val and myself, Val Lewis and myself, Gerald Johnson, are here. We were talking about Our Iceberg is Melting by John Cotter and Holger Rathgaber. Rathgaber. I hope you understood the eight steps to successful change and how you can make the changes happen in your organization and in your life. Throughout both episodes, we discussed the complete process for change management, according to John Cotter. We think that our iceberg is melting is an extraordinary guide to change in any organization. We believe that reading John's book, listening to our podcast, and asking for help when you need it will allow you to be successful in managing your organization through the ups and downs of business. The business environment is forever changing. If you want to be a successful leader of your team, you must be able to adapt. If you need help in changing the direction of your company, department, or organization, don't hesitate. Reach out. We'd be glad to help. Hopefully, you've learned the tips and techniques to make change happen in your organization. At MOB, Masterminds of Business, we like to be inspired by stories of triumph. So tell us about a major change you had to implement. Give us a holler and let us know how you typically handle change in your organization. We want to know. To get in touch with us here at MOB, visit us at sabacon.net forward slash MOB or reach us at Sabacon Ideas on Twitter and on Facebook. That's S-A-B-A-C-O-N-I-D-E-A-S. 
Pope Val and I would like to thank you for listening to our discussion of Our Iceberg is Melting. We also want to thank our engineer extraordinaire, Frank Sterling. If you like what you hear, take action. Don't sit on your hands. Reach out to us. Subscribe. Write a review. And remember, until next time, nothing happens unless you make it happen. <laughs>